0: we mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going everybody, this is Chris Welcome to episode 3 of Generation X-Lapsed Where, uh, well, if you've been following along You'll probably know that this has not been one of my favorite projects up to this point But, uh, hey, you know, third issue's the charm, isn't that what they say? I think that's what they say Third issue's either the charm or when they decide to cancel a book uh, Or retroactively call it a miniseries Let's see if... The third issue of this second volume uh, does the trick. Maybe we'll dig it. Maybe we won't. But let's get into it. This is Generation X, volume two, number three. And it had an August 2017 cover date. Written by Christina Strain, with art by Amilcar Pina, with Robert Paghi. Colors, Felipe Sabrero, with Nolan Woodard. Letters, VCs, Clayton Cows. Edits, Robinson, Ketchum, Panizia, and Alonzo Cover price $4 This one went on sale June 14th of 2017 Now, as we always do with this book We open with our single-page spread of Roll Call and Cred And our characters today will be Jubilee, Bling, Kid Omega, Nature Girl, Morph, Hindsight, and Boy. So, same as it ever was we kick off a story here in a Central Park zoo, where Nature Girl is chatting up a seal. I, boy, and Nate Carver are watching this play out, and the former is shocked. Shocked, I tell you, to find out that Nature Girl can actually speak. I didn't even realize this was ever in question. Uh, I could have sworn she even had a few lines over the last couple issues, but I, I guess not um, Now she's chatting up the seal all about the poor trees that got shot When the purifiers struck over the course of the last couple of issues Anyway, when asked, she says that uh, she chose not to speak Because she had nothing to say to him Which is, I, I guess that's kinda ice cold huh? uh, Nate then tells Boy to never assume that an Asian girl is mute I gotta ask, is that a thing? Like people assuming that Asian girls are mute? Uh, I don't know Uh, She then hops out of the seal uh, Well, it's not a cage uh, It's not a tank Wherever the hell they keep the seals That's what she jumps out of Uh, She is then alerted Via the wind and the trees That there's been an attack nearby And so the kids rush deeper into the park Where they happen across Face You all remember Face, right? He was that Inferno baby with the great big, like, mirror-looking button instead of a face that the New Mutants found in Limbo or something like ten years ago. Uh, Anyway, he's been attacked, and he's out cold. Nate asks Lynn if her tree friends can tell her who did this. To which, she says that to trees, all humans look exactly the same. Dangerous. Oh, gag me. Um, We shift scenes over to the Xavier Institute for Animal Husbandry and the Occult, where Bling is running on a track. I didn't realize that the transplanted institute had a, you know, track and field sort of a setup here, but all right. Anyway, she runs into chamber. Now, he mentions that seeing her jog reminds him of uh, someone that he used to know. Because of all the people he's ever known... He's only ever seen two of them jogging. He is, of course, referring to his ex-girlfriend, Paige Guthrie, who liked to jog. And I'm pretty sure they still know each other, too. I mean, hell, she's probably hanging out somewhere at the very same school, right? I don't know. Anyway, Bling informs Jono that she'd like to switch teams, commenting that Jubilee's team will never grow into actual X-Men. Jono tells her that there's a reason why she's on Lee's team, and for now, that's where she's gotta stay. I gotta ask, who's on Jono's team then? Uh, We haven't seen him yet, right? Uh, I mean, we really are going full Academy X here, aren't we? This is quite a bold new approach at uh, training the next generation here in this book. We shift scenes inside the Institute where Ben Deeds and Pixie are playing some video games. Now, Pixie is winning, naturally, because girls can video game. Quentin Quire is nearby, and he's quite annoyed, and so he jams up Pixie's buttons so that she loses to Deeds. An argument nearly ensues, but thankfully, they're interrupted by the arrival of Nature Girl and the boys. Uh, Also, Face is draped over the back of a uh, deer. Next we know we're in a huge hospital room with a single bed in it. Danny Moonstar is trying to see whether or not Face has the Death Glow. And uh, since she can't see the Death Glow, she suggests "Yeah, he'll probably be okay. Call Me Jubes comes in to ask if the kids saw anything, and, uh, I mean, we know they didn't. But uh, I guess that's a good try at being in charge there, Jubilee. Uh, I Boy suggests that Quentin use his hoodoo to scan Face and try to solve the case. I didn't intend for that to rhyme, but here we are. Uh, Quentin reminds the gang that face is blind, deaf, and mute So there's uh, precious little he can do for him Quentin then offers up hindsight Nate Carver, whose powers might better paint them a picture of exactly what happened We know that when he touches people He has sort of a similar uh, power set to Rachel's chrono-skimming power Where he can kind of see what went down Nate Carver refuses to do it He will not invade someone's mind without their permission QQ is all, isn't that the whole reason you're here? You know, meaning to learn how to use his powers? Nate still refuses, and Jubilee backs him up Claiming that Nate is allowed to work at his own pace Quentin, the only person in this book with any sense Walks out We next shift into Headmistress Kitty's office Which sounds like a setting for an adult movie Headmistress Kitty Anyway, she's still wearing a very ill-fitting power suit and skirt combo And I gotta say, if you can't draw one of these and make it look right Don't, (laughs) maybe just put her in different clothes Uh, Kitty suggests that it might be time to enact a curfew I guess we are to assume that Face was assaulted late at night She then asks, call me Jubes and Chamber to head out to investigate Just then, however, Shogo sneezes So Jubilee, assuming this single sneeze means the baby's got tuberculosis, backs out. Danny Moonstar agrees to join Jono for the investigation. As they go to leave, Chamber tells Jubilee that she probably ought to check in on Bling, because uh, she might have something she wants to say to her. Elsewhere, Nate is helping the janitor Andre from last issue carry his mop bucket up a flight of stairs. Ben Deeds shows up, because why wouldn't he? Nate tells Andre that he's going to teach him how to play the Marvel equivalent of Magic the Gathering the following day. Andre seems wildly excited, which is to say, not really so much. He's just like, all right. Uh, Ben then tells Nate that Face woke up, to which Nate flips the F out. He thinks that Deeds is here to twist his arm some more to do his hoodoo on him. Ben's all, nah, dude, just calm the F down. I'm just letting you know he's okay. Or recovering, I guess. Nate apologizes for his overreaction, and uh, this was a great use of a handful of panels. Ben is cool with it, and reminds our POV pain in the ass that it takes a while to acclimate to Xavier's. He even cites Andre the janitor, a human, as evidence that eventually this place will become home. Nate then informs Ben that Andre is no human. He's actually a mutant. And to which a handy and very unexpected editor's note informs us that Andre's story occurs in something called Wolverine Saudade. Okay, a mas- this is a mature reader's one-shot from November 2008 cover date. Worth noting, according to the Marvel Wiki, this here is Andre's final appearance. So we'll never know how good he is at playing, you know, collectible card games. Anywho, Andre was a street kid who couldn't control his powers, and it rendered him lobotomized. Nate explains that when he touched Andre and learned all of that, he also kind of experienced it, which is why he's so hesitant to touch face. He doesn't want to actually live what face went through, which, okay, uh, that actually makes all sorts of sense, doesn't it? That makes sense. Nate then states that, uh, after some muddling, that Quentin was right. Uh, Somebody better put that on a t-shirt. You know, Nate is here to learn to better use his powers, and he should have tried using them to help face, regardless of what he might experience as a byproduct of that. And so, that's exactly what he's going to do. Now, it's worth noting that Carver is drawn sometimes as wearing a pair of gloves kind of like Rogue would, so she wouldn't accidentally make skin to skin contact. And I like that. Unfortunately, it's not in every panel. Um, they, they, they gotta be a little bit more careful about that if they want this to, you know, kind of stick as a, a thing and a character-defining little visual for uh, Nate Carver. And I only noticed it because there's a panel of Nate removing the glove very dramatically before touching face. And I was like, hey, he's wearing gloves. So I flipped back to see if this is something I should have noticed, and, well, yes and no Sometimes he wears them, sometimes he doesn't I don't know if it's a coloring error, or an art error, or just a lack of attention to detail I don't know So, after getting permission, Nate touches Face What he sees is basically the quick and dirty of Face's origin story And how he came to arrive at Xavier's here We know he was a, an inferno baby, and they experimented on him And we'll probably talk a little bit more about that later Then the uh, memories fast forward a bit to like, you know, yesterday or last night or whenever it was that he was attacked And we see that he was attacked by a weird two-dimensional shadow critter who escaped into a crack in the sidewalk And uh, if you see the cover of this issue, there is a shadowy uh, humanoid form in the background there, so it's probably that Nate hugs face who thanks him for helping him communicate his experience QQ's all, okay, so tell you tell us what happened so we can go deal with it And so Nate does The kids who are present, who are comprised of, well, conveniently enough, the cast of the book Decide to break curfew and take matters into their own hands And I gotta say, it's actually a much funner scene than I'm explaining it to be It's actually a pretty cute scene, I liked it quite a bit We wrap up with Quentin leading our kids out of the school while proclaiming them all to be losers And, uh, well, he's not wrong Worth noting, this final page is kind of evocative of Frank Whiteley's uh, new X-Men costume designs here Except for Eyeboy, who's wearing like an odd take on Cyclops' Jim Lee costume You know, the one with like the straps, the belts over his shoulder and stuff It's kind of weird, but um, the rest of them are very reminiscent of uh, Frank Whiteley's work here It's it's, It's a neat little visual, but that is where we leave it So, But we talk about it It's still not great it's still not great, but this issue was far more like it. Um, I like this one best of all so far. Granted, that's not high praise, but I do intend it to be praise here. This was—I didn't—I didn't not enjoy this. I, I thought it was a pretty good time. Here we've got the kids acting more like kids and less like you know cause of the week Twitter users. <laughs> You're not the type, right? Um, I was pleased to learn a little bit more about our POV character. Okay. We get some pretty neat nods to Rogue's involuntary power set. I thought that was pretty cool here where he's wearing gloves. That's a nice callback. I really appreciate that sort of thing here. We also get a better idea as to why Nate is so trepidatious when it comes to using his powers. Right? That's all well and good. Now I gotta talk about something that's not not so much part of the book itself here, but something that Reggie and I would always talk about this as we would uh, discuss recently launched books here. Uh, If you're familiar with Reggie and my work, we did a full examination of every single issue to come out of DC's Young Animal imprint back in 2016 through 18 or so. And uh, we would talk about a lot of things, you know, the the quality of the book, whether or not someone could, uh, you know, approach this book, uh, how someone might receive and enjoy a certain book. And uh, we had some books that had some very unpleasant characters in it, or just characters that you wouldn't really want to root for, you wouldn't be invested in. And by the time we would get invested, we would always kind of temper our our, uh, softening on the book By reconciling just how much skin we had in the game You know, here uh, We waited three issues to reveal this bit about Nate Carver Which puts us $12 into the story Before we actually begin to care And And again, that's assuming that we've begun to care here I mean, that's not a Gen X problem That's not a Christina Strain problem That's just a current year comics written for the trade problem Because when you buy the trade It really doesn't matter how long it takes for... Us to start caring about a character so long as you do by the end of the six issue, you know, spread that the uh, trade is covering But here we are halfway into the, uh, what I would assume would be the first of two Generation X Volume 2 trades here And it's only now that it's like, oh, okay, I kind of get this guy I kind of understand why he is so unpleasant, (laughs) or why he's so nervous about using his powers It's not bad storytelling, it's bad comics, you know? It's bad comics pacing, because we should have cared about this. And I I can only speak for myself. So if Nate Carver and Benjamin Deeds jumped off the page at you when you picked up Generation X, Volume 2, Number 1, and you loved them and you wanted to know everything about them, hey, that's great. I didn't share that experience. I'm only now... Getting a little bit of an understanding to, as, as to what Nate Carver is here to do. Now, Ben Deeds, I could, I could give a rat's ass. Not, I don't really care about Benjamin Deeds yet. But let's put a pin in Nate Carver for now and look at some of the rest of our cast. From the presentation of this book here, you would assume that Jubilee is uh, like your focus character here. I mean, she is probably the most identifiable. A Generation X character that Maybe outside a chamber Just because he's so, you know, striking in his design I think Jubilee is who a lot of us Associate Generation X with And so, I think I, 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 Again, I can only speak for myself here But I assume that she'd be playing a much bigger role in this Instead of just holding baby Shogo Which, unfortunately, is her character now And has been It's either she's a vampire holding a baby Or she's a former vampire holding a baby And that's kind of all that they do with her now but I do wish that they'd maybe pay a little bit more attention to her here. I I can compare this to and this is almost embarrassing to admit, but I am a huge fan of uh Beverly Hills nine oh two one oh. The you know, the old, you know, nineteen ninety-ish show. Huge fan of that show. Uh, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. And I was over the moon psyched when I found out that they were doing a uh like a reboot, and maybe not so much a reboot, but like a continuation of it, like a next generation version on either UPN or the WB or whatever CW is that what it? One of those teeny Baba channels, probably around 2009, 2010 or so, and I was so psyched, and I sat down to watch it, and I saw like some of my you know some of my era's characters show up. And they were there for a little while and then they went away. And it was all about these new kids. And it's like, I don't care about these kids. I want to know about, you know, Dylan and Kelly. What the hell do I care about these high school students? You know, I, I didn't. And here we have Generation X here where I see Jono for a minute. It's like, oh, cool. I see Jubilee for a second before I realize she's holding a baby. And it's like, hey, great. But then they're just gone. And it's these characters that outside of Quentin Choir, I really. I have absolutely no reason to care about. And that's a sad thing when Quentin Quire is the most relatable character in a book. <laughs> and I i mean, what does that say about me that I'm relating to Quentin Quire? But maybe it's just that uh, he's as frustrated and annoyed with these uh, goofy kids as I am at this point. Uh, let's talk uh, bling, or bling if you uh, prefer. Now her story uh, in wanting to change teams from uh, Jubilee's sort of warming team to I, I suppose Jono's uh, on deck team I, I suppose Jono's team is probably going to be more likely to become X-Men I, I like that as a uh, as a character development for her. Not being satisfied with uh, being in you know Zorn's special class, not not being in Spider-Man's special class. She actually wants to uh, make something of herself and make an impact on on the team. I can appreciate that. Unfortunately, my main takeaway from that scene was like, "Ooh, I wonder's on who's on Jono's team." <laughs> you know, I really didn't care whether or not Bling was going to be changed to his uh, to his little squad. I was more interested in finding out who he's training I guess that's something <laughs> Which is better than nothing um, Nature Girl Refusing to speak to iBoy um, When we talk about The Hoxpox Pox Dox Rocks uh, X-Force Sometimes I'll say that it feels like Ben Percy Came up with a really cool line he wanted to use And then writes backwards From that line because he really wants to use this line Because it's clever and witty And it's going to make people laugh So he has to get there so we get this, like, really, really hackneyed, sort of inorganic path that we take To get to this one line that's supposed to just really knock us over I got a similar feeling here with the uh, nature girl scene here with uh, That wrapped up with Nate saying, never assume the Asian girl's a mute I don't know what that means I, I'm not a worldly fellow I mean, I, I've been very upfront about that, but I don't know if that's something... That I was supposed to like recognize Or was it just something that I was supposed to say Yeah that sounds clever enough yeah. It really felt like they were trying to get to that line And it, that very seldom works And uh, I don't feel like it worked all that well here either I like the use of face uh, for the uh, for the victim here Because uh, honestly it's been so long since I even thought of face It's nice seeing these nods to uh, to just these obscure characters and it was nice seeing bits and pieces of his origin, because honestly, I'd forgotten most of it. I, it was, you know, it didn't take me long to get my memory jogged, but uh, I really liked seeing that here. And I think he was probably a, perhaps the perfect character for this, in that it facilitated uh, Nate Carver's, um, you know, trepidation to to kind of come out and be verbalized. So that worked really well. And I was very pleased with the way this issue ended here It was a very cute few pages where They're talking about, you know, taking this matter into their own hands here But they're nervous about the the uh, curfew And, uh, like, Ben Dietz is like, okay, you guys you guys go, you guys have fun And Quentin's like, hey, you're coming too it was, it was just pretty neat, I liked that a bit It made me feel, like I said, it made it feel like these kids were kids And not memes Or, you know, social media users They were just kids and they wanted to take care of this They wanted to prove their, their, you know, their merit I like that And I'm actually, I can't believe I'm saying this But I'm actually looking forward to the next issue Which uh, I haven't been able to say to this point So that's a good thing That's a very good thing here I'm coming out of this one far more positive than I thought I would So that's a very good thing Uh, We'll just talk a little bit about the art before we cut out of here. I, I, you know, I I generally don't comment on the art unless it's really, really great or really kind of, eh. This was neither. This was in the middle here, but there were some panels that I didn't like. Um, One thing that kind of... Skeeved me out a little bit. um eye boy is uh, not really so much presented as a guy with a bunch of eyes on his face, but he looks like he's got a really, really painful skin situation, like a really bad acne, which just was kind uh, of uh, kind of skewed me out. Maybe that's the point. <laughs> Maybe that's the point. If that's the point, then well done. but uh, I think that's where we'll leave it for today here. Uh, coming out of this one. Far more positive than any of the prior two issues here. Can't say that all the characters are growing on me, but a couple are, and I'm excited to see what's to come here. So we are back in the optimism seat here, so that's a, that's a good thing. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the direction that this uh, series is going here. Please feel free to hit me up and chat me up. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, or you can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at, at infiniteearth.com You can talk to us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men on Facebook. And you can listen to all the audio, thousands of hours, over a thousand hours of audio at the Chris and Reggie channel at... ChrisandReggie.podbean.com, available on all your noise aggregation devices and applications. So you can find us. You found us now, so you know where to find us if you want more of that. But that'll do it for today. I want to thank you all so so much for sharing some time with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. a feeling